nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. They're wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Karim Benzema needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. Times ended up almost looking like a 6-3-1. Some very good writing about that on the Managing Madrid website. Frustrate podcast as well. Of course, Pere Valverde was a huge part of the equation. Hello and welcome to a Sunday edition of the Managing Madrid podcast. We are recording this right after Real Madrid go to the Benito Villamarín and come away with zero goals for a big fat zero, zero scoreline. And just in case you thought maybe, you know, you might be able to sneak up on Barcelona. Well, that that thought is gone now. So that that's okay. Um, you know, we're just here to provide you guys with therapy. We are we are sad too. We're sad just like you guys. We're going to analyze what we saw. And I think it's safe to say now that if there's going to be any success, any major trophy this season, it's going to be either in the Champions League or the Copa del Rey. And that will be contingent on sharpening the efficiency and just being a lot better than you've been in the past three games or so. So joining me, Kian Sabani, on this Sunday is Matt Wiltsy. Matt, how are you? Hey, Kian. Uh, disappointing result. I'm doing well, but disappointing result, obviously. Um you know, I was thinking before we hopped on kind of what I, what were some of the talking points from the game. And I think more so than a real thorough breakdown of this game, I think we're probably going to find ourselves getting down kind of rabbit holes on bigger picture items and things that kind of consistent themes we've seen from this season and some of the questions that arise from that. I think um, there's always a little bit of soul searching to do after three games like we've had the Atleti draw, the Barca loss, and now this Betis draw, um, where there definitely, I mean, there was opportunities up for grabs. And it, hey, if Barcelona ended up, there was actually a penalty called in that Barca Valencia game today. <laughs> and then they dropped points again. And we got, we end up getting this result. Then it, even more questions would be asked of this team. So, um, needless to say, it's frustrating. Needless to say, we expect a lot more from this team, and uh, it's just it just hasn't been going our way lately. But lately, but I think I think there's a lot to kind of uncover from that. The the Valencia penalty thing and everything that happened in that Barca game, some of the stuff that happened today. I mean, like as much as there's like a part of me that maybe wants to talk about it, but most of me just wants to shut that part of me down because. I'm kind of almost happy that these things aren't going our way because I think the league is so far out of reach anyway. And I think the sooner we realize this is out of reach, the better for our success in the other two competitions. Valencia penalty in the Camp Nou is not going to save our season, nor is, you know, <laughs> who was the guy who clocked Kamavinga on, in transition today? Uh, I think I tore Ruby. Yeah, I think it was him. I think it was Ruby Bell. Yeah, um, it's like yeah, stuff like that. It gets back. That that stuff is not saving our season. We need to save ourselves right now. We have a lot to blame internally. I think that we need to address. You know what the weirdest part in all this is? This weird rock paper scissors fight that Barcelona, Liverpool, Manchester United, and Real Madrid are having. Where Real Madrid beat Liverpool five two. Liverpool beat Manchester United seven zero. Manchester United beat Barcelona. Barcelona beat Real Madrid. Um, that's just football. Every game is different. Every opponent is different. There are weird matchups, kryptonites, and momentum shifts, and it's, it's all it's all 
it's all such a weird, weird sport and everything is on the table. Matt, why don't I mean you and I didn't get a chance to talk after the Barca game. I think that game has been broken down uh to its core already. So we're not gonna necessarily revisit it. I would urge people to go and read Matt's column on managing Madrid up uh on the site right now, where he talks about how Real Madrid could look at solving the Vinicius Araujo duel. Today, Matt, it kind of was a different problem than Barcelona. Against Barcelona, we couldn't create anything meaningful. We had a lot of the ball. We got into the final third, but beyond that, we looked lost. We we didn't really know what to do against the Barcelona block. Today, we actually generated enough chances to win, but our shooting was terrible. You know, you you think about the Rodrigo big chance. You think about uh, a lot of cutbacks that Ceballos or Benzema had. You, you think about the chances that Vinicius had. We did enough to win this game, but we just couldn't score. Uh, and primarily, we couldn't finish. And once we got into the box, we just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. Do you want to talk about... Um, I think we can start the starting lineup, actually. Partly because... Yeah, well... The, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, we could kind of talk about the attack real quick. Just because this is... This is obviously we went the whole first half without getting a shot on target. Um, following up off of the Barcelona game, I think to your point, we did enough to score a goal in this match, but I still don't think we created enough clear cut opportunities for the types of areas that we got to on the pitch. Um, and I think like there's moments where even think about the Rodrigo um, opportunity where he he cuts it back. Uh, the defender falls down and he tries to pass it to Benzema instead of taking the shot himself. Like, I feel, why aren't we peppering the goal more? Like, you, you're taking zero shots on target by halftime. Then just just start hitting. Chaos can ensue from taking shots. Like, get some, get some shots on target and chaos can ensue from that. Like, things can happen. And it's just been frustrating. It seems like we're trying to create the perfect goal at times. Um, and I think... One thing that's been that's been clear to me is I thought the Benzema issue would resolve itself, but I'm wondering if he has like a niggling injury or something that's just keeping him that little bit slower. Like he just feels like an inch slower than he was last year. And that's all the difference at the top level. Like that's all it takes to have you go from Ballon d'Or winning striker to 40 goals a season to 20 goals a season and just kind of get him by like this isn't and i wonder if he's struggling with something he just hasn't looked himself um and it's really been to the detriment of this attack and i think one of the kind of like big overarching questions i have for you Keon, is like we kept saying last year a lot of the success came from just Vinny and benzema being this unstoppable duo there they were over uh, overperforming their XG. Courtois was playing out of his mind, and that's how we won games. It was just like a lot of it was through the ingenuity of those two and then Courtois coming up big. I think Courtois is able to, for the most part, to to keep that going, and he had a huge save today. And then Vinny, now the, the scouting report is out on Vinny. He's still having a tremendous season and putting up good numbers, but the scouting report's out. Get him riled up. The fans now are all whether it be racist fans or whether it be just taunting. You saw the Betis fans today doing the cry um, uh, gesture to him constantly. Like, the scouting report's out, and teams are going to double, triple, 
quadruple team Vinny because they know that's all Real Madrid's option is, is to go down that flank and funnel everything through him. And then if you don't have Benzema performing at the elite level, if he's just an inch slower, then is this the real, is this the reality of this team then? Was last year just kind of an anomaly and this is the true reality of this attack? And maybe we, like, once again, we kind of come back to Champions League and La Liga victories. And it was a La Liga where Barcelona wasn't that great. This wasn't a good Barcelona team. So we could get away with some of the mistakes that we've made this season. And maybe that masked over some of the issues we needed to resolve this summer. I know a lot of fans kind of screened for it, but now it's glaring more than ever. Well, bottom line is, I think if you were to simplify it really like to the to, like simplified version of this discussion is our attack isn't as good as it was last year. And our attack is what kept us afloat for the majority of our struggles. But is this the real level of the attack? Is this the real level? And last I, year I don't, was just... Well, I don't know. I don't know what that means, Matt, because when you talk about real level, like there's a every level is for its time in a way because Benzema was 35. So, like, Benzema's real level is when he was in his peak in the past, like, three, four years. But he's also 35 now, and he's he's starting to wear down a little bit. And so, like, we know what we saw today is not the real Benzema. It's just an older version of Benzema. And with Vinicius, it's just... Yeah, I just... Uh, I don't know. I struggle to believe that Benzema... Like, this started right at the start of the season, like him having kind of this rust because of the injuries. I struggle to believe from May to September when he started playing again in those in that period of three, four months that all of a sudden he's declined rapidly from the guy who just won the Ballon d'Or in four months. Like, that's what I'm struggling with. Um, I don't know that that's I don't know that that's uh, like really possible to drop off that much. I think there's got to be something going on with him. Possibly. It could be physical. Physically. It could be physical. Um, like there were so there's some I feel like there's some redundancy in the stuff that he does. Like today there was a moment where him and Vinny were both in the left half space. And Vinny was it was kind of a similar proximity to where they were with each other in that Liverpool goal where Vinicius scores that great goal against Liverpool. Where they're kind of they have the ball there and Benzema just comes over and takes the ball off him. There's like a million Betis defenders right there on that side. There's no one centrally. I'm I'm just like, what's the plan here? And eventually the ball just bounced around and Benzema, I think, committed a foul. And some of that there was like a, just a clear lack of sharpness, lack of decision making. And Benzema's obviously dropped off in form quite a bit. Vinicius has been poor. And the thing with this is the thing with Vinny again, high volume of stuff. He's He's done well in like cooking his first defender in this game pretty much for the majority of it. But then that second to third hurdle, I think, you know, he's just... I do think like for all the... For all the the abuse he gets, I do think like he, he does need to just... There are definitely moments where he just needs to get on with it. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think I think that's I think that's pretty clear. But like again, to simplify, I think the attack isn't as good as it was last year. Vinny's had some brilliant moments, but he he's also had some few and far between moments where he's really struggling to to do to do much. Again, it's convoluted. And again, one of the things I always say about Vinny is that I think a lot rests on Ancelotti's shoulders to come up with better solutions to to bursting these defenses. 
today, and, and by the way, it should be noted that our defense has actually been good. Like the past three games, as much of a, as our offense has struggled, our defense has held up really well. Generally speaking, we've conceded yeah. two goals, the own goal in transition against Barca and then the set piece goal against Atletico in the past three games. Um, Militao has been a rock. Rudiger has, I think, been in good form of late. So that 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 part of it's looked good, and all these like even these things, these people we criticize, like sometimes Nacho, like for not contributing offensive. I think he's been good defensively. Courtois did have a couple of big saves, which you can talk about. We did have breakdowns there today, but our defense for the large part has held up, and our offense is not as efficient as it was last year. That's problem number one. Problem, I guess, number two is, um in some ways was addressed a little bit today. And that's why I thought we could start, talk about the starting lineup because one of the criticisms against Barca was that we had no contributions from our wingbacks. At least from the left side today, Kamavinga was a spark plug and played well. And actually got us into... Like when I say we got into good positions and we didn't score, I think that is largely a true statement because like if even if you look at what was happening in the first half, we didn't have shot on target, but we should have because... Um, Vinicius should have put that one on target, the one where Kamavinga cuts it back to him. But Kamavinga did solve some of that. Kamavinga and Rodrigo, those two, I thought, in tandem, did help us offensively. Kamavinga's ability to just dribble past his man and carry the ball up the field, get into the left half space, do some cutbacks. Rodrigo played more centrally than as a traditional right winger, as he always does. That obviously helped us get into the box quite a bit. So I think that 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 was part of the problem we've had this season was that we haven't had those two on the field or we've had, we haven't had the third attacker helping us consistently. And we haven't had attacking production from the fullbacks apart from our, our attack not being as efficient as it was last year. We're not getting contributions from our wingbacks. And I think today, at least Kamavinga and Rodrigo look to solve that part of the problem. I was, but I was curious to know what you thought of their, those two in this game. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of the fullback pairing today, it's almost as if Ancelotti listened and read a lot of the criticism because he does. For I sure. think Lucas <laughs> Lucas Vasquez and Kamavinga are two most offensive fullbacks. Um, Lucas Vasquez obviously didn't have a good night tonight, but when he's in form, he's our best attacking right back, and uh, basically can he obviously was a former right winger, so that attributes to a lot of his offensive game. Um, but I agree with you. I think Kamavinga, I liked the decision to go with Kamavinga at left back. Uh, in my piece this week, I talked about how a lot of the times the game state and the context matters for when you play Kamavinga there. I don't necessarily believe yeah. that Kamavinga totally. is a left back, but if the conditions are right within the match, then yes, put him there by all means because he can help other players thrive and he can, he, Vinicius's numbers shoot up when he plays in that position. And um, I think you saw today, even when we're on ball, like it's either Cruz or Ceballos coming out playing as left back and build up. And Kamavinga is basically inverting as a number eight or overlapping on the wing. So he's never really positioned as a left back, even when we're on the ball. Yeah. Um, so I think, and what I liked about that, that one play that you mentioned where Vinicius should have put it on target. It came from a Kamavinga cross. Vinicius was central. And yeah. like, I think Vinicius needs to do more of that to like to an earlier point you made when Benzema and Vinny and everybody's kind of crowded around the left half space and trying to do these quick one twos. Like, I feel like that's too predictable. We do it too often. And 
Um, it's just, it's, we have nothing centrally or on the right side to even pick up the ball when we get out of a, a tight space in there. So it's frustrating to see sometimes. And I think what I liked about that play was Vinny actually moved away from the wing, let Kamavinga have that space. And, um, he was there to to get the opportunity. I think we need to see more of that. I think we need to bring some more variability into this attack, some more unpredictable off-ball runs, change some positions up. Um, just It's also everybody knows what Real Madrid is going to do. They're going to go to the left. They're going to try and do some combinations. Vinny's going to be two guys and then pass it to nobody in the box because there's nobody there. And so um, I think – I think it's just become really, really flat and easy. Like the scouting report's easy. It's easy to figure out what Real Madrid are going to do. Um, but so I think, and I think a mistake Ancelotti made today was taking Kamavinga out because yes, he had a yellow card and that's obviously why he he decided to do it. But Kam- Ancelotti himself said earlier this year that Kamavinga needs to learn to play with a yellow card. And I think you take that gamble. I think, the pros you look at the pros and cons and you say you know what i need kamavinga's offensive contribution in this game uh i'm going to take that gamble and keep him out there and so i was disappointed with that substitution yeah okay i'm with you so i have maybe this is going to sound crazy i actually would like to almost put out a petition to i think kamavinga should be our left back for the rest of the season part of the reason i say that is because like like you said, it depends on the game state. To be quite honest with you, most game states will suit him at left back. Think about the past three games. Atletico, they're not hurting us in transition. Barca, in that particular game, were not hurting us in transition. Maybe it's d- going to be different in, in, in other games against Barcelona. Uh, we have Chu many back, who covers a lot of ground defensively, can cover. We have Rudiger and Militao playing at a higher level. Our transition defense has been pretty good. Now, I think this is also contingent. Like, I think you need to have some We're counter pressing well in the last few games, too. Exactly. So, like, we are not really, it's not going to hurt us there. I mean, there were sequences. We're not sitting deep anymore. We're not sitting deep anymore. There were sequences today, like, to your point about Kamavinga getting the left and Vinicius going centrally, is that more than one occasion today, Kamavinga would just be on the left by himself. And then centrally, Benzema and Rodrigo and Vinicius, that's where they were. And it's kind of this weird dynamic where it's completely like, um, I don't know how to describe it. It's, very, it's kind of a unique offense in the sense that, and I don't know how it's, it hasn't been affected, by the way, but it's, but it's just something to note. Rodrigo, Benzema, and Vinicius today were hovering around each other like a tripod, like all game. No matter where one of them was, the other two were right there trying to do one-twos and link up with each other. And meanwhile, Fed is like this boomerang on the right side, just going up and down. Kamavinga had the left to himself. And uh, and I guess the plan is basically just to funnel possession somewhere between the front three and try to release one of the two wings with a switch uh, and then get one of them to cut it back at the top of the box. Again, there were moments where I think it created some good chances today. Kamavinga and the yellow card thing also. I just pos- real quick. I just think we're. I just think we're relying on it too much, though. Like I think you can do that, like switch it up and do that every now and then. But to have it the whole game where we're trying to overload the left and do these little triangles, and that's where I think it's an issue. Is like it becomes too predictable. It's like okay, we know what Real Madrid is going to do. 
Yeah. Well, and and that's why that's why I said like after Carlo said after the the Classico, we can repeat this performance in Camp Nou. Uh, my point was, what are you repeating here? Like repeating out of ideas. What's your what's the repeat here? Like <laughs> it, the offense was not working. If the if the plan was to just hold the ball, that worked. If that was the plan. That that was your barometer of success. On one level, at least it, it helped you defend better because you conceded very few chances against Barca. I think like two in total. But it yeah, it's it is it is genuine generally too predictable. And again, I think the predictability worked last season in some capacity because Vinicius and Benzema were unstoppable. And uh, again, it's hard to sustain that kind of stuff. So you need some more ingenious, ingenious tactical schemes to unlock some stuff here. I did want to talk about Kamavinga's yellow card because you mentioned like he's got to learn how to play with it. That's what Carlos said himself. I was surprised that he wasn't yanked at halftime on some level because he was involved in almost every challenge, whether people were fouling him or he was fouling others. Was it just were my eyes deceiving me or was this yet another Kamavinga yellow card that was a clean tackle? Uh, even if it wasn't a clean tackle, it, I thought it was kind of soft. Like it wasn't yeah. that bad to be a yellow card. Yeah. Uh, so that's just like another thing of Kamavinga. Like every time he commits a clean tackle, it seems like the ref is just hoodwinked into like thinking there's no way he actually got the ball there because no one can do that. So he gets booked. But listen, uh, I don't know how VAR looked at some of the stuff today. But the one just before halftime, that Rui Ball just clocked him, looking at him, knowing exactly what he's doing. Like it was not an accidental trip, two players colliding. They're both running in transition, and Rui Ball just clocks him. I thought that's a clear red. I thought I was shocked. Yeah, and I think the referee obviously was influenced by the Betis fans. Like they obviously were going to act like nothing happened. But that's the whole point of ours to review it and have say, hey, whatever the earpiece in his ear and tell him, Hey, you got to review this. Look at it. Uh, he clocks him. Like it just VAR has been frustrating this weekend to say the least, but there's, yeah, yeah, there's one thing I want to, um, I want to get your opinion on. I don't think you're going to agree with me. Um, cause I know you think highly of this player, but I think I've been underwhelmed and maybe it was because of the hype coming into um coming to Real Madrid and and I, I don't think he's been particularly poor, but I just expected him to be more of a driving force. Chuameni. I just I, I've been underwhelmed. I, I'm gonna be honest. Like I don't I he 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 hasn't blown me away and I kind of expected him to. And maybe that's on me. And maybe that's like I'm coming in with biases, having read so much about how well he did at Monaco and like how well he did with France and everything like that. But I just haven't been that impressed. And yes, I know people will say like he like Ancelotti has said, he's fatigued after the World Cup, his forms drop. But I don't even think he was that great at the start of the season, to be honest. Like he had one really, really good game. I think it was actually against Betis at the Santiago Bernabeu where he like had this insane number of interceptions and tackles. But aside from that, like I really haven't been that impressed. Um, I I thought he was pretty good at the beginning of the season. I mean, there were definitely games where him and Kamavinga looked really good together. I thought he also did really well on the ball. He was getting into the box. Um, but I don't like he's a little bit too quiet for me almost. Um, yeah, I, I just expect him to be like a 
and to make an impact, like have more of an impact. <clears throat> there are there are large stretches of the games he's played that I just don't even really notice him on the field. And I don't I don't know exactly why. There are a couple moments he'll pop up. He'll you know he'll muscle someone off the ball. He'll play a nice vertical pass. But I I I don't feel his presence that much. And I wonder. I wonder. So like Ewan Ewan has a theory that he thinks there's something happening behind the scenes. The commentator said something today that, uh, and and I was like I could swear I don't remember reading this anywhere, but. The commentator today said that Riyam just have punished him for the whole basketball game thing, and that's and he hasn't been playing. And I was like, oh, that that seems like mm, you. No, I, I haven't I read that. In, I don't know yeah. where you've heard that. Although, like, I don't, I don't know how connected those commentators are, but I was like, I don't remember reading <laughs> that. But I do wonder if, like, because Ewan says there's something behind the scenes. He thinks that something something's going on there, and he doesn't know quite what it is. Look, I I don't think he's been great after the World Cup. But do I believe in him? It's a resounding yes, I do. Yeah, I fully believe in him, and I fully expect him to um, become the guy we all expected him to become. Or, but I just this season so far, I've been underwhelmed. Fair, it's fair. No, I, I, I don't, I don't know if you were expecting me to disagree with you or not, but um, I, 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 I actually was. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think he's been great. Um, but it's, you know, look, almost everybody's out of form and almost everybody was out of form the last World Cup too. And all these players who were out of form just kind of came back. And I kind of expect that naively to happen, apart from maybe some of the older players like Benzema, who I don't know like how much time he has to regain form, you know, before he retires, for example. But um, so 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 that that aspect of it, I don't know. But I but I do know that Chuman is a really good player. I thought he had a really good World Cup. Uh, I thought he had a pretty good opening, you know, few games in his Real Madrid career. How long did it take for Casemiro to settle at Real Madrid? I mean, I thought Chiuameni was just fine in the World Cup. Like, again, I wasn't overawed by him. I thought he was okay. Um, and then Casemiro, like, he obviously, if you don't count, like, if you count his real start as that 2015-2016 year when he actually got to play. Yeah. I mean, but he wasn't he consistently the in the team at that time. But, like, you know, I get it. I, I mean, I once Sadan came in, he was. He, he was, like, one of our best players in the Unadecima uh, final. So, I yeah, mean, I'm just, no, I'm I just, just mean, like, I, I just, yeah, once Zidane came, it was a different story. Like, I'm not, not, not knocking, I'm just saying, like, there's time. Like, it's his first season, it's a new league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm starting to, starting to, f- getting bad vibes from you, Matt. I'm starting to feel like you're a hater now. <laughs> no, I'm not a hater, not a hater. Just trying to, just trying to throw this out there because I feel like it's not really been talked about. And I feel, I just, I don't know. I haven't been, haven't been, overawed by him. maybe listeners can commentate on, or can comment on this and just tell me if i'm over exaggerating no i don't think i don't think there's a debate i don't think because i don't think you're wrong in your assessment um like this is not this was not the guy last year at league gun who led all of europe in tackles and interceptions and was a monster and was just a phenomenal yeah. ball progressor yeah. it's, it's not that yet um yeah. but i but i believe yeah. We're talking about what's real and what's not. I believe the real version of too many is not this one that we've seen in the past few games. There's no, there's no way. Um, yeah. But my point, like as a player profile, I also okay. There's another part of this I wanted to point out. I do feel like he's been kind of unfairly treated in some ways. 
Do you remember like any other player that Carlo has come out and and kind of criticized publicly in press conferences the way he has with Chiumeni? Like Chiumeni's not good right now. He's been out of form. Like it's he's kind of oddly like taking shots at Chiumeni publicly. And again, maybe this goes back to you yeah. theory that maybe something behind the scenes is not it's not all all what it seems. I don't know. Yeah, maybe because yeah, you're, you're he's not saying that about Benzema and like today. I think again, criticizing Ancelotti for his substitutions, like I wouldn't have taken Cruz out to unbalance the midfield for Alvaro. I would have taken Benzema out, or just leave it as it was because that substitution Alvaro didn't even touch the ball after coming on. So, um, yeah, th- there's yeah. A, there's another point here that you're making. I think, and it's that there are the this happened. This was last year. This was the case last year too that not all players have the same degree of accountability within the team. That longer, there are players who have a longer leash. There are players that no matter what are going to be on the field, no matter how bad they are. And that's Vinicius, that's Benzema. Um, I mean, those are probably the two, to be honest, right? Um, where it's like, no matter what, we can't take that. We, we've seen plenty of games where Rodrigo was better than Vinicius, and he was the one taken off. Uh, and also the meritocracy is different from our assessment than Carlos' assessment. Like based on meritocracy, there's no way Ceballos should not have played one second in the classical. That's insane, right? Yeah. And so the Carlos' hierarchy of who deserves to be on the field is a little bit skewed to me, in my opinion. Um, and that's where I think he, like what he did so well last season, especially towards the tail end, pretty much after we lost 4 nothing to Barcelona, Ancelotti started to get things right in terms of player roles, substitutions, in-game tactics. And I feel like this season, especially this second half of the season, post-World Cup, he's he's gotten the subs all wrong. He's gotten, like, the starting lineups have been strange, some of the decisions. Um, I feel like player roles are, are not very well defined. He's now trying to integrate Alvaro and... He's only doing that with four minutes at a time. Like, it's just, I don't know. I think it's really strange. The Alvaro integration on one level, I'm happy that he's getting integrated. On the other level, I don't like some, he just basically just comes in the last five minutes and expects, and you expect him to do something. Like, if you're going to promote him and use him, then use him, you know? Um, Again, he's a different profile than Benzema. He would have brought something different to the table if you take Benzema out in this game. Um, But I think in Carlo's mind, he's probably thinking like, well, no matter what, no matter how poor Benzema and Vinicius are, maybe in the in the last second of the game they just have some kind of brilliant moment and and they save us. And and I think that's the way he's thinking. But again, I made this point in the classical the way the way they were playing with all those crosses. Why did you wait till the minute eighty four to bring on Alvaro? And did, why didn't you just bring him like twenty minutes earlier so he can get in on the end of those crosses? You know, and that so that part is was a little bit fuzzy to me as well. Uh, so this is another point I want to because earlier in the podcast you asked the question, did us winning last season mask our problems? I think yes, it did. Um, I I think I think maybe it's hard for the the board to see it this way, but even after you win trophies, you need to change the team. Like this is something I actually really believe in, and recently it was confirmed to me when I saw this clip of Pep Guardiola talking about it. He's like. Every year, even if you win, you have to change. You have to change. You have to change. Same players can't, they can't, the, the hunger changes. You know, the players have to change constantly, even if you win. And I thought that was really interesting. I was like, oh, that's what I believe. <laughs> so it was like a 
confirmation for me that yeah like this makes sense i mean this is guy obviously has won so many league titles no matter what you think of him and, and all the money they've spent but um i think it i think what needs to happen when you win a trophy like last season be like okay so here's what led us to the trophy and here are all the things that almost stopped us from winning the trophy uh and try to retool what you need to retool again and and I don't want to hear anything about we didn't have the opportunity to do this and that. Like against Barca, you couldn't tell me that Cancelo would not have helped on that right side. We had him for free. Um, we had the option to bring Fran Garcia back sooner if we wanted to. We didn't take it. We have we've had we've had these choices. It's not like there's been no choices on the table. We've had it. We haven't taken them. Um, and I think so. So when we look at these barriers now that oh we have these players under contract we have to get rid of them first like well this is all also board mistakes that you know you you you're you have blood in your hands for giving these players these contracts that are now handcuffing you into not bringing reinforcements in that that's another point but yeah to answer your question i think winning last season did mask a lot of a lot of our problems uh well just quickly on that point too because when was the last time we retained La Liga? Like one back-to-back La Ligas? Was it the 2006, all the way back to the 2006 and 2007 and then 2007, 2008? Mm-hmm. And if so, think about that. We changed coaches and we brought in a bunch of new players. We went from Capello to Bern Schuster and brought in a bunch of new players. All the Dutch guys, Wesley Schneider, um, Drenthe, like all these different, like completely different style. And that's the last, is that the last time we won back-to-back La Ligas? Because it kind of, it only uh, solidifies your point. I mean, uh, when you have the same players, the scouting report's out. Same coach, same players. It Every team knows what you're going to do the next season. You have to change something up. That was the last time, 2008. Yeah, how crazy is that? <laughs> That's wild. Kind of hurts my brain a little bit. Um, to that, wow. The closest we came to retaining was 2020, 2021, where we came second. But I don't. We came second a bunch of the times we tried to retain our title. No, like it's we. Act, this is not even. That's crazy that that I I was expecting that somewhere in those years we've had we've we've made retained but we haven't yeah that's wild we've retained a bunch of Champions League titles but never the league since since uh oh seven oh eight yeah and we had a bunch of changes in that summer we had coaching changes we brought in new players um yeah insane so I don't know like Matt we barely talked about the game there's part of me that like. At this point in the season in La Liga, it's good. I feel like the conversation is going to be more big picture because I don't know. Like we can talk. Like for example, one of the things we haven't talked about today is that I thought Fede Valverde had a good game. Um, I don't know what that really means other than Fede Valverde had a good game because this game is meaningless to me now. <laughs> All these league games are now just meaningless games to me now because it's over. But we, but that's something I'd like to talk about. Because we're talking about players who maybe were struggling out of form, something going on behind the scenes that we didn't know about until recently. Fede has been an example of regaining form. I thought. I, I think he's been. I thought he was, he's been much better of late. He was really good today. His ball carrying. I mean, he was unlucky not to have at least one assist today. His cutbacks were great. His ball carrying was great. He was in position to cover for players. His dribbles were good. 
uh, I like Fetty's performance. I agree. I think there was one moment where on the ESPN feed where they talked about like, this is what Fetty Valverde can do. Just take a look at this clip. And he starts basically in our own half, carries the ball all the way up, does a one-two with Carvajal, and then puts in a cross. I think it was the cross for that Rodrigo opportunity. Um, and like he started the play and finished the play and went up the whole length of the field. And like that is Fede Valverde in a nutshell. Um, and I really liked in midfield today his um his energy to just get back and recover and make interceptions. And offensively, he was really, really good. Um, and I like and I also like I really like the interchange between him and Rodrigo. Like I it's a cool thing that we can do is that. Like, okay, hey, you just now go play right winger and Rodrigo, you're the advanced number eight and go combine and find little pockets of space and see what you can do. And then, okay, now let's switch back. Vet, they make a late driving run. Rodrigo, go take somebody off the, on the wing. Like, that's I, that's a le- nice little tactical wrinkle that I really like. And I think that's like rather than either or, let's use both and just keep that swapping going and whatever works best in the match. Um. <laughs> Okay, so there's a couple interesting quotes from Carlo in, in the press conference. Uh, he said, uh, I'm just kind of picking the the most interesting parts here. He said, right now we lack efficiency. We dribble one more than we should. We shoot uh, with one less pass than we should. We pass one more pass than we should sometimes. There's too many defenders. Um, I think that's kind of, I mean, that part of it is true. I think like, you know, that final hurdle is often costing us. This is like what has happened in the box the last few games is that that last decision is, has killed us. And then, then if we do get into a great shooting position, it's just sailing over the bar. That's hurt us. Um, he explained the Kamavinga sub. He says, quote, Kamavinga had a card and Luis Henrique entered. He's dangerous one-on-one. And then I tried to put energy with Ceballos in midfield. Uh, and then we did well in the last 30 minutes. The game was more open. We had more transitions. We found Rodrigo between the lines, but we still had to find the attack and we couldn't. No minutes for Asensio, we explained, because we have Rodrigo, Karim Benzema, and Vinicius, and that's why. Um, This one's sure. interesting. Asensio loves that quote. <laughs> I think it's looking less and less likely he's going to renew. This last yeah, quote which... Go ahead. is um, someone asked him apparently or pointed out to him that there was no crosses when Alvaro Rodrigo's entered the field, which is such a classic problem. Every time we, we introduce a, a striker who can head the ball, we stop crossing. It's something just happens. Like it's like, there's no crossing rule. Crossing is lava. And he said, um, <laughs> he said, yeah, I agree. And we did not, we didn't choose the best options um, at that moment in the game. And we dribbled when we didn't need to. We tried to shoot through walls. We tried to pass when we should have shot. And he said, it's a collective problem that's based off of individual decisions. Let me ask you this. What could Carlo have done differently today? I mentioned a few things. Like I wouldn't have 
uh, I feel like we saw it time and time again with Zidane when he would take off a midfielder and put on a forward and it just completely unbalanced the squad. And that's part of the reason why we stopped putting crosses in because we had no more control. Uh, so even if you don't like Cruz as a pivot, because I know a lot of people uh, were complaining about it should have been Cruz instead of Chuameni that came off. Either way, like I think we should have kept a midfield body on there rather than taking um, taking off a midfielder for Alvaro. Uh, I also I get what he's saying with the Kamavinga substitution, and that's a fair point. But I think at some point you just got to trust the kid, and you got to give him this experience playing with a yellow card because most matches he will get a yellow card, and I think. You just got to tell him, like, Kamavinga, I'm leaving you on. Be smart. Don't make any dumb decisions. And then if he does make the dumb decision, then then that's when you bench him until he until he learns. Um, and I don't know. I think I was surprised. I thought this was actually a match where Ceballos might have started. Um, I was just surprised. Like, I've been surprised by his lack of involvement lately, given how well he's been playing this season. Um and I thought he played well when he came on. And so I've just, uh, I, I just think there's been some weird personnel decisions lately. And definitely on substitutions, I've, I think he's gotten it wrong. Uh, Atleti, Barcelona, and this game. And so, yes, we can all, we can all say that Ancelotti has kind of been given an unfair hand in terms of the squad planning and what, whether Florentino Perez and the board should have done more to um, give him the tools he needs to to see this team succeed and compete better in La Liga. But at the same time, I don't think he's done himself any favors recently, especially these last three matches um, with his personnel decisions and just his overall tactics. I'm also a little bit confused and somewhat concerned as like, what is the Onze de Gala when everyone's healthy? Is it, is it what we saw in Classico? I'm not talking about what we think is the Onze de Gala. What's in his head? Uh, you know, Lucas was saying earlier this season that there's no chance Modric and Cruz will be benched in the big game. I think that was that was uh, proven correct in the Clasico. At Anfield, Cruz was came in off the bench. I think he was. I don't. I don't remember if he was coming he was back sick, from the injury. Right? He was so, sick. Yeah, he was. He had that gastro. Remember, he flew out late and everything. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that kind of like kind of sends chills down my spine to think of what would have happened at Anfield if he actually started that game. And it's not disrespect to Cruz, but I think he's an unbelievable player. But again, we, we ta- we've spoken about how the Cruz-Mordic pairing is kind of troublesome in these big games where there's a lot of physicality on the field. And one thing that I noted about uh, the Clasico, and I don't, again, I don't think the midfield was the brunt of our problem. So I, I, I don't want this to turn into a Cruz Motor slander segment at all. And that's not, and again, when I, when I speak about these two on the field together, it's not disrespectful to either of them. They're two of the greatest players of all time in their position. And I think they still contribute a lot to the team. But again, I think it's been proven that those two paired together can only sustain certain amounts of physical duels and energy. And they, they force you to play a different way. And in the classical, it was, it was interesting that Carlo did press high with those two on the field. But I think what did happen is that the energy just was hard to sustain for both of them to the point where when Kessier has that chance to make it 2-0 in the second half, and if you look at the team's shape, they're just broken down physically. They're just gas at that point, which again makes it even more bewildering that Ceballos wasn't on the field at some point in that in that second half. So <clears throat> um, my point is, I don't know where this, where what is what is Carlos thinking for the Onsi de Gala in 
we got a lot of big games coming up, I assume. Assuming we don't concede seven goals against Liverpool and we we bring out the tie. We we get we get past that tie. Um but are we gonna to go to the Camp Nou with the same starting eleven? Are we gonna next round if we beat Liverpool, are we gonna to go to Munich or Manchester with that starting eleven? I don't know. It's a concern to me. I mean, I think we'll get some answers with the Barcelona game and the Liverpool game. Like that should answer where he's thinking in terms of what the Unsa de Gala is. More so the classical um, game. I I wouldn't be entirely. When, is, when sh- does Mendy come back? I don't know. In my mind, he's almost out for the entire season, but I'll, I'll check. I mean, not not literally, yeah. but it's possible when he comes back, the season could be over. So, I, um, but he. I think it was two months total when he was diagnosed. Um, yeah, two months in January thirty first. So, um, so yeah, he's still got till like April when he'll be back. Yeah. Um, yeah, more so like I like for again we talking about Kamavinga left back and game states and stuff like that. You know that Liverpool game for example, isn't one that would be too fussed for him to play left back. I think Nacho in that game makes more sense, for example. Um, but against Barca, like, that's more, like, you gotta, you're chasing the game now. And I'm, and I'd be wondering, the Onza de Gala against Liverpool and Barcelona could be different. It's more the classical second leg that I'm looking at. La Liga classical, I'm not even sure um, what he does, to be honest. Yeah. But, you know, out of pride or whatever, you want to go and win at the Camp Nou if you can, obviously. But, all concerning stuff, Matt. All concerning stuff. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. have like two minutes I mean, left. Do you have anything you wanted to address that we haven't been able to? I guess my only other question for you that I was thinking about is, can we draw any parallels to Ancelotti's second season in his first tenure? I don't know that it, there's there's that many, but maybe the second half of the season. It, it was the second half of the, that second year where things started to unravel a bit. Um, and I think it was for different reasons at that time. It was because he different literally problems. didn't rotate. Modric got injured. Yeah. And uh, the team was just running to the ground, but it's interesting that it's kind of occurring again. Obviously it's still early. We're still playing for the champions league, still playing for the Copa del Rey. Um, but it is, it just kind of feels like this season is unraveling a little bit. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope I can eat my words in the next few weeks and months. But um, just, just I'm wondering if there's any other parallels we can draw. Uh, different, different kind of set of circumstances. I think the that team was much weak, weak uh, <clears throat> much thinner in midfield. Um, had didn't have nearly as many midfield options. So, you yeah. know, to the point where Ramos was playing DM in against Atlético in the Champions League, and. You know, we did have a backup striker. We had Chicharito, right? Who had, you know, a big moment towards oh, yeah. the end there. We had a good team that I think was gassed and also just had injury concerns and and then unraveled. And this year, like, he's rotating more, all that stuff. But I think he is over-trusting maybe a couple, couple players. And there was a... There was a certain dynamism that that team had, I felt, from game in, game out, in a control and a high-pressing style with Isco, Modric, Cruz, and James together because Bale, Bale was injured like all the time that season. 
um, that I think this team doesn't consistently have. That's partly because Mordich and Cruz are much older than they were in that in that season. Different set of problems, I think. I also want to point out, like, I don't. It's incredibly likely to me that we go trophyless. Like, you corrected me like last time I said that because he's oh you won this cup and that cup and like you know what I mean like major trophies. It's incredibly likely to me because yeah. even if you're really good in the Champions League, you know how hard it is to win the Champions League to like go all the way. Yeah and win the final it, it needs some luck and it, it needs to like you know you need to take a take advantage of all the chances you have you need to be on top of it defensively and even then there are things that are out of your control like that Juve semi-final loss like we came really close despite like quote-unquote unraveling but you know we missed chances Juve defended really well like that's that's hard to do and the Copa you know we're we're up against it in, in the Camp Nou for a variety of reasons we could win, we could not. I don't know, but it's it's incredibly likely to me that we come up short this season in all three competitions. And I do wonder. This is the weird thing, and this is that this is something that I think I've I've been critical about with the club in a lot of ways. That sometimes we make decisions based on only results and not performances. Just for the just for the sake of the argument, what happens if? Courtois doesn't save Messi's penalty in Paris, and we lose in that in that in that tie against PSG. We can't complete the comeback. All of a sudden, this summer, are we looking at a new a new backup striker, a, a new a new right winger, a new um, yeah. I don't know backup whatever? Like that's what it takes. Like that's 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 how you analyze things. It's really interesting to me how that works. And um, and again, I think you have to look at this is why. We're on this podcast. I feel like we're very process oriented, and we look at that. We look at okay, what is actually the issue here? I'm trying to look at all the nuances because I think there was, there were things that needed to be addressed last season, and they didn't. And the fact that we had an unbelievable run that was unforgettable, again, to your point, probably masked some of that. Do you? Uh, I think I know your answer, but do you think Carlos stays if we go trophyless? I don't think so. No. Yeah. I know that I understand why some people think that he has a longer leash. I get that. But I do think it's really hard for him to maintain because I also think it won't just be a trophyless season. It'll also be um, frustration within the club that I think, you know, this is this is a different kind of, I think there's a staleness almost happening with some of this that, think people like I think are feeling that there needs to be some kind of change. And again, it's not all his yeah. fault. It's really not his fault. Like it's not his fault that he has to ride with certain players in certain positions and that he has to play Kamavinga left back because he has no other options. That's not his fault. But some things are. And I think the club obviously, whether it's the coach's fault or not, they won't care. Right. So uh I think it's if he if he does go trophy this, I think he's gone. And Raul's doing really well with Castilla. So there's that too. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's a clear favorite. We'll see. I have a prediction, Matt, though. I think we haven't seen the best version of Real Madrid yet this season. Um, and it's gonna come in the Champions League probably next round, I think. We're gonna yeah. see we're, there's gonna be something to cheer about some big on nights this ahead of us. Yeah, I think there's gonna yeah. be some big nights to, yeah. to celebrate on this podcast. But right now we're just kind of stuck in the fact that La Liga's definitely lost and we shot ourselves in the foot. Yeah. Cause I one of the things that entered my mind again is is that watching that Barcelona game, I'm like, man. To these guys, 
these guys really we we losing the lead to yeah. these guys I mean, it's just frustrating nine points too that's that's what's frustrating like it's not yeah. even close yeah all right matt uh better times ahead uh for the listeners yep. sake lucas and i will be recording a podcast on tuesday for free and then everything else is behind the paywall over on patreon.com slash managing madrid we are doing a weekly zoom call so We've been doing post-game shows for these midweek games like Liverpool, Barca, etc. There's no g- midweek game this week, so we're going to get creative. I think we're going to do, maybe we'll do Q&A session on Zoom or something. Again, if you want access to that, patreon.com slash managingmadrid. If you want an access to Liverpool post-game, if you want access to Barcelona post-game, all of that over on patreon.com slash managingmadrid. Matt, thanks for your time, my friend. It was a pleasure. We'll catch you next time, buddy. Thanks, Take care. Thank you. Thanks for listening, guys. And before we wrap it up here and send you along on your way, we wanted to give a quick shout out to our patrons over on patreon.com slash managingmadrid who do so much to support the show. Thank you guys for being on this journey with us and being a part of this ever-growing Real Madrid family. If you pledge $10 or more, not only do you get access to every single bonus content we do, and not only do you get guaranteed responses to your questions, but you also get a specific shout out on the podcast. So shout out to these $10 plus patrons as follows. Brandon Alvarez, Willie Reed, Will Sousa, Wei Pering, Wamik Jamal, Tobias Royal-Botcher, Talib Salhab, Tahmid Kalam, Sushank Damala, Sujai Wani, Sumanchu Singh, Sheikh Hatiri, Shamil, Shabal Sharapov, Sergio Arispe, Santos Solorsano, Samuli Justin, Samer Z, Said Mahad, Sai Mohan, Sasi Kumar, Saad Omar, Rodrigo Balmaceda, Rishi D, Phoenix, Peter Powell, Paulo Fierro, Patrick Odiafati, Oscar Barrera, Nico Laxo, Nicholas Moller, Nick Ribeiro, uh, and then we got Nelson Masariego, Mowgli, MJ Diego, Michael Zinberg, Marin Myrtle, Matthew Atkins, Martin Ridman, Magnus Lext, Logan Stahl, Leon Stavronakis, Kunal Tilakar, Crystal Glass, Kevin Rivera, Jose Cruz, John Fernandez, J- Jason Fitz, Ian Marley, Graham Gerard, Gary Cohut, Frederick Rantakiro, Frederick Sundros, S.A. Davisito, Eloy Enriquez, Edward Sossman, Daniel Williams, Connor McMorrow, Con P, Christian Toff, Christian Acosta, Charles Williams, Brendan Powers, Brandon Stevens, Ashik Bashar, Arnab Mukherjee, Armin Kashi, Armando L, Anirudh Singh, Andres Silvestre, Ananya Kumar, Alex Steiberg, Alex Rose, Azaz Hussein, Adrian Rios, Adar Zalukovic, Adam Dorsey, Bella Chow, Ramtin Magrur, Manaf Al Haddad, Fabian Moreno, and Daniel Smith. We love you guys so much. Thank you, and Hala Marid. <laughs>